Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. Today, we're going to take a closer look at a very important and timely topic, the opioid crisis and how it has been affected by COVID-19. Before we have that conversation, be sure to go back and check out all episodes of The Wrap. You can find the shows on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast hosting platform. And ever since the pandemic began, we've been streaming episodes on YouTube. As always, those can be found each Friday as part of the headlines we can review. With that, let's bring in Dr. Paul Hilliard, Medical Director for Institutional Opioid and Pain Management Strategy and a member of Rewrite the Script, a Michigan medicine team working to help patients and community members manage pain and opioid addiction. Dr. Hilliard, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation, Dan. Yeah. Now, first, I know the opioid crisis was already raging before COVID-19 hit the U.S. How has it played out over the past six months or so? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as you're well aware, unfortunately, the pandemic has had a, a significant national impact, and uh, we're feeling this in Michigan as well. According to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, emergency medical services and hospital emergency departments have both seen significant increase in opioid overdoses. In fact, uh, between the period of April and June of 2020, opioid overdoses are up about 30% in the state of Michigan. And um, a lot of patients who suffer with medical conditions are not going to the emergency room out of fear of contracting COVID. And this has impacted our, our patients who struggle with addiction as well. And so while um, overdoses are up, uh, during that same period of time between May and June last year, about 7.7% of the patients refused to be transported to the emergency room. This year, that's over 14%. And so while patients are um, very vulnerable, uh, they could go to the hospital where they would have access to some of those resources and may begin their journey to recovery. But many of them are just refusing to come out of fear of covid yeah, I was going to ask sort of why has the pandemic caused such an issue when it comes to addictions and substance abuse? And I think you touched on it a little bit, but I think there's other factors too, right? There's increased stress right now and, and anxiety for everyone is sort of, there's so many unknowns going on and we don't sort of know when the world is going to get back to normal. Does that have an impact as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, COVID has definitely widened the gap and what resources we had. They were already stretched pretty thin for patients with uh, substance use disorder, but COVID has really exacerbated that. And patients who were um, in recovery would benefit and do benefit significantly from community resources, church groups, AA meetings, um, yoga for recovery. Unfortunately, all these things were curtailed significantly during the pandemic and the, the lack of community resources and social engagement led to increased isolation. And we think this um, was a big part of why we're seeing such a jump in uh, the um, overdoses. So what are some of the ways the team at Rewrite the Script is working to help those struggling with addiction? Yeah, that's uh, um, a huge bucket of work. I'll try to distill it down into a few uh, key points as we as we sort of focus on the opioid use disorder and substance use disorder um, piece of it. Uh, we've taken a system-wide approach to this um, problem uh, to help those struggling with the, this disease. 
first we realized that uh, we need to increase awareness and access. So um, we responded to practice transformation incentives, which were announced last um, year by Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And by um, engaging in those incentives, we have been able to increase our capacity in our primary care clinics. Now our primary care clinics, um, about 87% of them have at least one provider who is wavered and capable of delivering medication-assisted treatment to patients uh, with an opioid use disorder. And they have received training um, because many of these providers are not addictionologists. They have no specific background in addiction management, uh, but we have been able to connect them with resources such as Michigan Opioid Collaborative that provides at elbow support for these providers whenever they have a clinical question or they're not familiar with um, how to uh, treat these patients. Um, the other thing is um, we are working on uh, creating a substance use disorder support team. Um, this is now focusing on the inpatient setting. And um, this is a, um, a collaboration with Home of New Vision and the Washtenaw Recovery Advocacy Project to embed peer recovery coaches within the health system. And for those listeners who may not know what a peer recovery coach is, this is a person who has walked that journey of substance use disorder and are on the path to recovery. They have a lot of credibility with patients, often more than a provider has whenever they approach a patient and start that conversation about um, what resources are available. And in fact, data shows that patients who are approached in this way in the hospital are 2.5 times more likely to engage in recovery on the outpatient setting. So we're building that uh, team. The other thing it does is by having this peer recovery coach in the health system and working side by side with providers, it demystifies addiction, uh, helps reduce bias and stigma and encourages more of a seamless transition for patients from the hospital into the community. The other uh, piece of work we're doing can be summarized as partnership. You know, we have a lot of uh, good partners in this space. We're working with uh, FAN or Families Against Narcotics, as well as uh, our own Michigan Medicine Office of Patient Experience to create more timely access to family recovery coaches. So um, addiction, uh, unfortunately, leaves a lot of collateral damage. And the first and primary social support network is often the family. But a lot of times we don't give them the tools they need. And people uh, will treat the patient or try to, but not necessarily take into account the family and the importance um, that they can uh, bring to bear on this disease. And then the other piece of partnership is, you know, we have a lot of talented uh, people already working in this space. So we're um, engaging those who want to work with us, such as the Michigan Opioid Collaborative, where we are working with them to pilot a program uh, that identifies patients who are coming in for elective surgery who have a history of opioid use disorder. Uh, this is a very vulnerable population. And uh, many patients who undergo surgery are offered an opioid um, as part of their pain management strategy. This, this may be um, a bad idea for these patients and currently we don't have a good process for identifying them. So I think in, in summary, it's um, a lot of partnership, uh, building new teams and being creative about how to do that uh, during this time of financial recovery.
Yeah, I think that's great. And I love the the idea of these co these peer coaches, right? People who have walked, like you said, walked that journey and can tell somebody, look, I've been there. I understand what you're going through. Um, I, I could see how that's a lot more powerful than, than sort of just hearing a physician say, you need to do this or you should do that. Um, I, I could see how that's a lot more effective. Now, what are some of the other strategies or even the, the current ones that you've been talking about that are being implemented by Rewrite the Script that our faculty and staff really would likely see in their day-to-day -day operations? I, I think the most visible um, uh, uh, thing that people are gonna see in their day-to-day -day operations is education. Um, we are doing a lot to increase training to enhance our knowledge around treating substance use disorder in both the current and future workforce. Um, I'll give you an example of that. Um, Currently, our medical students uh, now must take a course on opioid best practices. As part of that, one of our um, uh, Michigan Medicine faculty, Pooja Legisetti, um, through a uh, SAMHSA grant, um, has helped over 200 medical students complete their waiver training. So before they even have their DEA license and their number, they've completed their training to be what's called X wavered. The, that's a special number on the DEA license that shows you've completed training and are capable of providing uh, buprenorphine and medication assisted treatment for patients with opioid use um, disorder. Um, in addition to that, we are working to organize case conferences and multidisciplinary rounds to discuss complex issues of pain and um, opioid use disorder. Uh, we're looking to use the Project ECHO platform for this and partner with our um, partners in the community, such as Trinity Health and our, our own Michigan Medicine partners at MidMichigan and Metro Health. Um, and uh, finally, we're leveraging other work that is already underway through Rewrite the Script. We have the uh, pain profile and we have a large effort for expansion of non-pharma options for pain management but uh, this is very germane to treating patients with opioid use disorder as well. When we want to um, do a good job managing pain um, using uh, non-opioid type of medications. Yeah. Now, in, in a recent story in headlines, you talked about how your team's resolve to solve the opioid crisis has never been greater thanks to COVID-19. So what are the next steps you'll be taking in the weeks, months, and even years ahead? Well, you know, simply put, we're going to continue the work that we've already started. We have had to pivot significantly due to COVID. We were on the cusp of having an inpatient addiction service when COVID hit, and that, that really threw a wrench in the works for us. Um, but it did not deter us. We're still determined and resolved. We just have to be clever and adapt like many other uh, healthcare providers. And so we recognize that um, a large percentage of patients who have addiction, it started as an iatrogenic cause. It started by a well-meaning provider um, who prescribed an opioid for pain management. So we're continuing to work on the substantial efforts we already have underway. Um, we're working uh, with our pharmacy department on opioid stewardship. We are doing things to change the electronic medical record and nudge providers in a, a safer direction. Um, and uh, doing what we can to reduce opioid-related harm. So it's clear you've done a lot of work, but there's still a lot of work ahead, right? Exactly. Uh, and it's just going 
and they keep on keep on trucking, if you will. Uh, now, finally, and, and this may be the most important point, if people are struggling with uh, opioid use or addiction or substance use, how can they reach out for help? Yeah, thanks for that question, Dan. You know, the question itself highlights a, um, a current struggle that we have, and we, we really need to normalize care. The fact that we even need to ask that question and stop and think about it, you know, makes me wonder how many other providers or patients know where to turn. So um, I, I hope there comes a day when that, that question is so obvious that it doesn't need to be asked. But currently, uh, I, I would suggest that if a patient is struggling with this, they start with their primary care doctor. As I mentioned, we have um, expanded our access in the primary care clinics significantly. So chances are, if that provider is not capable of delivering the services, they know someone or have a colleague who can do it. And we're continuing to expand in that space. Uh, so that's the first place. The other is we do at, at Michigan Medicine have the U of M Addiction Center at the Rachel Upjohn building. I, I think that um, that is a, also a very good resource and a, a group that should be contacted. Um, if the um, question is from a provider who is trying to get more information on how to treat a patient, uh, turning to the Michigan Opioid Collaborative for guidance and to get that at elbow support and to learn how they can learn more about opioid use disorder management. And then finally, if anyone uh, doesn't know where to turn, reach out to myself or any member of the Rewrite the Script team. We are not experts in this area, but we know people who are and oftentimes these situations are sort of unique or there are scenarios um, that would lead us to direct to one resource versus the other. So I think starting with the primary care doctor, the addiction center, Michigan Opioid Collaborative, and then your friends at Rewrite the Script. Well, thank you so much for taking time to, to discuss this topic and share that information. If you wanna learn even more about Rewrite the Script and the work that they're performing, Go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. While you're there, you can check out other featured stories from this week. For instance, it was Healthcare Food Service Workers Week. And in celebration, on Monday, Headlines gave readers insight into a typical day for Michigan Medicine Executive Chef Curtis Stevens. The next day, there was a profile of a number of physician assistants who stepped up during COVID-19, and that came in honor of PA Week 2020. Find all that and so much more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, who will present the keynote address during Quality Month 2020? The answer is Dr. Jennifer Griggs. Congratulations to Karen Cooper, who sent in the correct answer. Karen, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. Now for this week's question. How many meals per day does patient food and nutrition services serve to patients and family members? Once again, how many meals per day does PFAN serve to patients and family members? You can find the answer in this week's feature on Executive Chef Curtis Stevens. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umish.edu for the chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you again, Dr. Hilliard, for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.